Core of the Bible podcast number 88, Vigilantly Seeking the Things That Are Above. Welcome to the Core of the Bible weekly podcast, where we go a little deeper into topics taken from the Daily Article Archive. My name is Steve, and I'll be your host as we explore the message of the Bible reduced to its simplest form. And today, we're going to be looking at the topic of vigilance. When we vigilantly seek the things that are above, we're not only looking forward to a heavenly eternity, but we should be finding ways to enact heavenly principles in the here and now, incorporating our new spiritual kingdom life into the life we are living now. The Apostle Paul stated it this way, Colossians 3, he says, If then you were raised together with Messiah, seek the things that are above, where Messiah is, seated on the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. It seems that Paul was basing this concept of seeking the things that are above on the same principles that Yeshua had taught. And Yeshua taught that we should always keep asking and knocking and seeking in order to receive, to have doors opened, and to find what it is that we're searching for. Matthew 7, Yeshua said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. According to Yeshua, this type of vigilance is rewarded with the objectives sought for. If we are consistently asking and seeking and knocking, then we will definitively obtain those things which we seek. So Paul carries this same theme of seeking and searching forward into a mindset that should continually guide us in our ongoing new life in Messiah. This seeking involves ongoing aspects of vigilance that are wrapped up in the definition of the original wording used in the text. So the phrase he uses in the Colossians 3 passage, it means to seek in order to find a thing, or to seek in order to find out by thinking meditating, reasoning, to inquire into. It also means to seek after, to seek for, to aim at, to strive after, to require, to demand, and to crave. Now, all of these types of urgent and continual qualities of vigilance, they carry the same intent of Yeshua's exhortation to keep seeking until the objective is found. So whenever I explore this passage, I'm reminded of a quote by G.K. Chesterton, which reads, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. You see, to seek the kingdom is not just a weekend activity or one which can be pursued by sharing amens on Facebook or by reading and listening to everything that the current Christian subculture puts out everything that is except the Bible. No, asking and seeking and knocking is a mindset, a consistent, methodical, and undeviating value to be exercised at every opportunity where God's will has yet to be expressed. In like fashion, Paul uses the same wording to emphasize the believer's desperate motivation to know God and his Messiah to learn more about the things of God and to keep one's focus there through the trials of life. 
And this is what he prayed about for those early believers. In Ephesians 3, he says, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In Philippians 3, he says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Messiah Yeshua. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So, can we truly say with Paul that we are straining forward to what lies ahead, pressing on toward the goal? This type of imagery conveys effort and discipline and sacrifice to attain God's purposes in this life. How we answer that question will typically uncover our progression of growth and our impact among those of our generation for Him. So in a moment, we're going to review this idea of sacrifice during this life and how Paul expressed the concept of a sacrificial life that is lived for the Messiah. Living a sacrificial life for God is going to be something that is different for every believer because we are all at different places in our walk with Him. To Paul, placing one's faith in the Messiah was, in no uncertain terms, a matter of life and death, death to self and traditions of men, and new life as a new self that seeks after the things of God. In Romans 8, he wrote, For if you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And in Colossians 3, he wrote, Therefore put to death whatever is worldly in you, your sexual sin, perversion, passion, lust, and greed, which is the same thing as worshiping wealth. This putting to death of our worldly passions and desires was considered to be an ongoing practice, one to where the believer becomes the dichotomous living sacrifice, that which is constantly being offered up to God, yet continually alive as well. In Romans 12, Paul wrote, Therefore I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good, well-pleasing, and perfect will of God. This renewal of mind comes as we vigilantly seek the things that are above, not only looking forward to a heavenly eternity, but finding ways to enact heavenly principles in the here and now, incorporating our new spiritual life into the physical life that we are living now. In this way, we end up putting to death our selfish desires and we rise to the new life of our new self created to be like Him. When Yeshua came into this world, it was as a human baby miraculously conceived in the womb of His mother. The spiritual element of His life was present from His birth and this was brought to fruition at His resurrection from death. In this imagery is contained the following principle. 
the temporary mortal aspect, the flesh, has to die before the new creation, the spiritual reality, can be fulfilled. And this is why Paul instructed the early believers to recognize that they were no longer to be focused on the fleshly aspect of anything, including Messiah. In 2 Corinthians 5, he wrote, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Messiah according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Messiah, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Paul used the example and symbolism of Messiah's resurrection beyond the flesh and applied it to the present life of those who believed in Messiah. He was encouraging them to operate from this mindset because it was a reality in their lives that just had not come to pass yet. It was to be realized in the fullness of time at their passing from this life into the eternal kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians 5, he wrote, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, Not that we should be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Life, in this sense, is eternal life, a status not only of unending existence beyond this temporary one, but a certain quality of life that is being generated within us day by day. When we are truly and wholeheartedly pursuing the things of God each day, we are becoming more and more of what God wants us to be as His representatives on this earth, and in anticipation of the life that is truly life beyond this mortal existence. In Colossians 3, Paul wrote, Do not speak falsehoods to one another, for you have stripped off the old self with its doings and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being remolded into full knowledge, so as to become like him who created it. And in 2 Corinthians 4, he wrote, Even though our outward man is wasting away, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. I like how the Weymouth New Testament here phrased Colossians 3.10 as the new self which is being remolded into full knowledge. See, the word that the Apostle Paul uses here appears to be unique to him and only appears in these two verses, Colossians 3 verse 10 and 2 Corinthians 4.16. It conveys the idea of renewal or renovation, something that is an ongoing process in the life of the believer. Saying that believers need to be remolded into full knowledge, it captures a vivid image. We need to have our substance crafted into something new in order to become useful to God. And the verse also tells us that the goal is to become like Him who created it. This is image of God language that is foundational to the theology of the kingdom. When we seek first the kingdom... When we pursue it by striving after it, craving it, reasoning through it, and inquiring into it on a daily basis, it changes and transforms us. We become reshaped, remolded, and renewed in essence of being, causing us to become like our Father. The Apostle Peter phrased it in these types of terms. In 1 Peter 4, he wrote, Therefore, since Messiah suffered in the flesh, 
arm yourselves also with the same understanding, because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin, in order to live the remaining time in the flesh no longer for human desires, but for God's will. Each of us only has a certain remaining time here to accomplish what God desires, and we don't know when that eventuality will occur. But if we're being led of God's Spirit to grow in Him, being molded into His image more and more each day, we should work diligently to be sure that God is receiving the benefit of His investment in us by our faithful and obedient representation of Him. And this is how we incorporate our new spiritual kingdom life into the life that we're living now and how His will is accomplished in each generation. Well, once again, I hope I've been able to provide you some ideas and concepts to meditate on further. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, be sure to visit coreofthebible.org to read daily articles on these topics and to find out more about the message of the Bible reduced to its simplest form in the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount. If you have questions about today's topic or comments or insights you'd like to share, feel free to email me at coreofthebible at gmail.com. Thanks for your interest in listening today, and as always, I hope to be invited back into your headphones in another episode to come. Take care.